Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. Once, once or twice a year, every year, we do a thing here at the church is where we um, go back into, press into the mission and the vision of Shore Church of God. And so this is a great time of year to kind of press into that mission and vision of the church, really kind of figure out where we're going, what the next few months have for us. Why do we make the decisions that we make? If you're new here, this is a fantastic way to go, oh, that's why they do X or Y or Z. And if you're new here and you go, well, they don't do that very well. Please talk to me. I'd like, love to hear that, okay? Because we're trying our best to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ. It's how we make our decisions. It's how when, we're, when I'm dealing with budget issues, when I'm dealing with logo stuff, when we're dealing with what sermon series we're going to talk about, it's all through the filter of does this help us reach, grow, or serve the community for Christ? Now, this is not a perfect triangle, an equal triangle, an equilateral, I think is what it's called. If we're getting to math, folks, we're really stretching uh, this morning. But uh, so, and It's not an equal triangle. Time, talent, resources are not always the same in those three things. They, those, those sides move. Um, at the, in the summer, we do a thing called the block party. You may have heard of it if you've been around here for a while. Um, that gets all of our time, talent, and resources. That gets everything all hands on deck going towards that. And that is our biggest reach event of the year. But then we have other things that go on. We have uh, service opportunities and we have uh, growing opportunities and all these different kinds of things that happen at different stages throughout the year that get our attention. Uh, So in January, we kind of like to step back a little bit about that. It's a new year. It's a new time. Let's evaluate what we're doing. What are we supposed to be about? And so as a family member here at the church, if you call this place your church home, we don't have a specialized membership class or a document you sign or anything like that to say, oh, I'm a member at Shore Church of God. We don't do that. But if you call this place home, then I would say you're a member here at Shorewood. You're a family member, and that's what you are for us. And so if that is you, then the, your vision, your mission statement for this church becomes to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ. That's really kind of one of these things that, well, Jared, you say that a lot. It's written on things on the wall. But is that your mission statement? Yes, it's mine, and it's the staff's. But even more than that, it's the church bodies. It's yours, mission statement. It can't just be Jared's mission statement or this won't happen. I say it a lot. I talk about it a lot. It warms my heart. I've been here, I think this is my sixth uh, January here at the church. And so uh, we've been doing this for five years. Uh, The Reach, Grow, Serve has been our vision and mission statement. And it's also, it warms your pastor's heart when he hears someone quote the mission statement. Aaron did yesterday at a men's uh, breakfast we were having. He said, well, Jared always says this, it's reach, grow, serve. If we're going to reach, grow, serve the community for Christ, I went, <laughs> you know, I got a little giddy in my heart. I didn't do a little skip, but it would have been funny if I did. Um, because cause that's like, yes, someone else got it. There's one, right? Uh, yeah. It's kind of this, this burden that has on my heart that God's placed on me that I'm trying to have leak onto you all as well, because I think this is who God has placed us to be uniquely here in Shorewood, uniquely between a firehouse and a school to reach and grow and serve this community for Christ. So what does that look like? What does that mean? 
Uh, January is a fantastic time to kind of reevaluate how we're doing. Ask the big questions. Right? Look hard at yourself and say, what am I, am I doing what I, I set out to do? Now, I don't know about you, but I usually fail at the New Year's resolutions that are saying, that are kind of worded in my brain anyway, the, on the negative. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I don't want to do that. Like all the negative ones I have to, if I want to succeed, I have to set a positive goal. I'm going to be more like this. I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to do X. I'm going to do Y. I'm going to read. I'm going to uh, better myself this way. I'm going to get along with so-and-so I'm going to get a new job. What uh, let's have an action step, not just a defensive negative step. So if you've been making new year's resolutions, you might want to just reword that in your brain so you can have a little bit more, maybe success. For me this year, what I really felt when I was praying about God, what do you want for me in this year was, um, I want to be a better dad. That's, that's what I feel like. You're like, Jared, you're supposed to like pick, like lose 10 pounds, not, not this big ultra altruistic goal of being a better dad. No, that's what I want to be. That's what I felt God put on my heart is I want to be a better dad this year. And I look at that, I'm like, okay, thanks, God. That's great. That's great. Because how do you, that's an incredibly subjective thing, right? You can't measure like, oh, yeah. Because if you let your kids measure how well you're doing as a dad, you're not being a very good dad. <laughs> because yesterday, Bowen would have thought I was dad of the year, and Kendall would have thought I was Mr. Stinky Pants, okay? Um, that's, that's how that worked, and that's not usually how that works either. But uh, on Friday, Bowen would have thought I was the devil, and Kendall would have loved me. So that's apparently I'm doing it well, right? But that's, uh, I want to be a better dad. So I started thinking about, okay, well, how do I even quanti- quantify that? How do I break that down? And that's where the goals for my year started to come in. I want to, uh, a huge one for me is I want to breathe before I discipline. I'm the heavy in our house. Usually last night, that was not the case, but that's okay. Um, Kelly hasn't had caffeine for a week. So, (laughs) Uh, so, um, but I'm usually the heavy in the house. And so I snap, boom, the big boy voice comes out. Everybody stops, do what you're supposed to do. Boom. But I do that too quick. Do it too quick. And sometimes if you're a dad and you've disciplined the wrong kid, like I was an only child, there's only one person to blame. I couldn't be like, dog did it. Like that's, that's not what happened is that boom, you, you get punished and it was it. But when you have a sneaky sister and you've got a boy who's always in trouble, he always gets it. Even if she pounded off on him, um, she gets that from her mother, by the way, uh, that <laughs> Only child. I didn't learn to be sneaky. Thank you. It had to be her. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, she's in here today, so I can really pick on her. Um, But you've got that, but I need to slow down. I need to breathe before I discipline. Make sure that my action is going to be the sa- what the situation needs. Does it need to be escalated? Does it need to be down? Does it need to be a quiet voice? Does it need to be a loud voice? What is it? Does it need to be a go to your room or you're dead to me? You know, what is it? And what does it actually need? And so I can't make those deeper decisions unless I slow down. And so that's a big one I want to do. Second one I want to do is I want to cherish the moments. I want to learn to cherish moments instead of see them as nuisances. Can we be real as parents? Some of these things that the kids really like to do, i.e. Pokemon cards or whatever that, whatever your kid's into, they can, they're like, oh, I don't care about Charizard anymore, you know? But it's, it's, I want to cherish moments I have with a kid, 
not see it as a nuisance. Because I had a realization that every day from now on is closer to my kids moving out than it was beginning. We're at the halfway point. We're at the halfway point. <laughs> halfway there, baby. We're halfway there. We had another one. What were we thinking? Uh, so <laughs> but we're at the halfway point, right? And so every day, is cl- every day it's getting closer, whether we want it or not. I'm going to lock my daughter in the basement. That's okay. But Bowen's only halfway there. Um, and so, and so that's, it's there. And I thought, oh, if I see these days as nuisances, what am I going to think when I don't have those nuisances anymore? And I'm glad, I'm glad I started thinking this when they're nine and not when they're 17 and go, oh, crud, I missed it. Right. And so for my goal, those are kind of some of the smaller goals of, I want to be a better dad this year. Now you can say, I want to be a better husband this year. I want to be a better wife this year. I want to be a better a boss this year. I want to be a better employee this year. I want to be a better uh, Christian this year. I want to be a better churchgoer. I want to be a better elder at the church. I want to be a better volunteer at the church. I want to be a better uh, driver this year. I don't know, whatever you want to do, these big, huge goals, but how are you going to break them down into actionable stuff? You know, I'm not going to go in the intersection when obviously it's been yellow for 30 seconds. It's not my turn. I'll wait. You know, that you became a better driver. Use a turn signal. Congratulations. You won. Uh, so if we could just start that with these hundred people, we could make a difference. Um, anyway, you can break all these serious, serious things down into smaller goals and start to attack them. It's the same way we do when I think about this community we live in with these people that surround us. There's so many that we run into at Mariano's or your family members or the people at the ballpark or, or all these people that surround us at our work. We live in a, giant, a suburb of a ginormous city. There's millions and millions and millions of people that we could have impact with. And it feels so big. Like what could we do? We're stuck between a firehouse and a school. We break it down to small points. We say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ. And we're going to start doing that in bite-sized chunks, how we can do it day after day, year after year, and keep on continuing with that mission. In Philippians, um, Paul gives me a kind of a glimpse of how we, we do this, how we orient our lives towards this goal. Philippians three twelve to 14. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own brothers. I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of the, of God in Christ Jesus. Now I want you, um, your translation may not say straining. It may, it may say press or some other word. I I chose ESV this morning because it had the word straining. And I want us to get the idea of straining towards the community for Christ. We strain to reach them. We strain to grow. We strain to serve. And this idea of straining, it means to put forth effort, right? Now, if you've, maybe some of you have started going to the gym uh, this week or the last week because of uh, New Year's resolutions, you started doing some sort of exercise thing, and, um, and you know what strain means. You equate that with bad, with pain. Now, my physical therapist, mother-in-law, would tell me, if you're straining, you're doing too much. Okay, let's, let's back it off a little bit, but 
it's a word. Let's go with the word play. Straining towards something. I, I became very acquainted with straining this week. Straining into messes. Now, if we're going to reach the community for Christ, we're going to strain into the community and we're going to find gooey things. Because the people you know and the people I know that, that need Jesus are messy. Amen? Because we're messy. We've got Jesus. We're already working on that mess. The people that really need Jesus are really messy. Right? That's one of the beautiful things about this church is we look around this church and to the right and the left of us and say, hey, that person's a mess. That person's a mess. I'm a mess. We're working on that mess. We're, we're okay with being messes here, but we're not okay staying the same mess. We're going to get gradually better and better and better and better and better. But we look in this community and we see messes all over the place. It's real easy to say the words, those people, right? If they would just do this or if they would just get their act together and those people, oh, just don't associate. We were going to go to our holy huddle and stay here and be nice and neat and be our own little holy mess and not let any new messes in. The problem is that's not the calling of God has on our life. He's called us to strain to reach the community for Christ. Like I said, I've had some experience with straining this week. Um, we had some issues, some home issues, uh, going on. I've had to, uh, had, I, I play Clark Griswold at Christmas. So everyone comes to my house, uh, for a week and we, uh, we like to clog pipes when everyone's there and, uh, sinks run slow and I get to strain into pipes and find wonderful messes, right? Because that's fun. Because they didn't make underbellies of sinks easy to get into. Like, it would have been really nice. If I was, I don't know, four feet shorter. If I could train Bowen to do this, this would be fantastic. But uh, so you get strain to do that. I had a dishwasher that decided to blow up. Um, I got to strain to clean some weird things out of that. Change your filters, folks. All right. Uh, so I got to strain to do that. I got to change a garbage disposal. I got to strain into a mess to fix a garbage disposal. And I have all my fingers still. Hoorah, it's a win. Right? But as we think about this, I don't want to like sugarcoat, oh, it's going to be wonderful. We're going to reach the community for Christ. And oh, everything's going to be happy. Go lucky. Folks, when we say we're going to reach the community for Christ, we are actively saying God has placed it on our lives to stick our hands into gooey messes. And to say, you know what? We're going to help get that cleaned up. Because we know that Jesus can turn those messes into beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things. God takes the biggest messes of our lives and he's in, in his infant creativity. He says, you know what? That was a mess. Guess what? Wow. Boom. We're going to use that for the kingdom of God. And it is going to be amazing. If you come to the women's conference, you're going to hear story after story, experience of experience of women who were messes. And God interacted with their lives and have totally transformed them. And those women will leverage, leverage their experiences for the kingdom of God. That is what it takes to leverage the mess in your life. And when God redeems it, totally redeems it. That is the essence of straining because that is hard work. But it's worth it because we are to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ. With this word of straining, I want to be a church that strains towards the community. Reach means to strain towards the community for Christ. Grow means to strain towards God. To really, we're going to talk about this next week. To strain towards God. 
And to serve means to strain to bring the two of them together. Right? We want to, in our serving ministries, whatever, in the, all the different facets of that, we want to strain to bring the community and God together. I think this is a beautiful, beautiful thing um, that we get to accomplish here at the church. See, the mission of the church is not the mission of this building, of our staff, but rather it's the life uh, mission of the people who call this home. The mission of the church is not the mission of this building, our staff, but rather the life mission of the people who call this home. To reach, to grow, and to serve. We've got this um, idea of, of reaching. I have... To reach the community for Christ was always for me before this last year was a program that I could put on. It was always a event that I could throw a party. I could be like, Oh, boom, a thing. Right. And that thing would be the thing that attracted people. I had a very uh, moth to flame idea. Like if, if Jesus is burning in me so brightly, people come, that's true, but it's uh it's different now. And I want to explain that to you because I think reaching means a lot more on one-on-one conversations, one-on-more heart to hearts, one-on-one. Let me enter into your mess and, and help you through that. Then it means, Oh, let me take you to something and you'll get fixed. Cause that's, it's not how it really works. And something dramatically changed my point of view on that, uh, last year. Um, and it was coaching baseball. It was a certain interaction I had on a certain sunny Tuesday out uh, on Grand Prairie's baseball field. I remember where I was. I remember the weather. I remember because it shocked and rocked my world. Because before this moment, I always thought reaching someone meant I just need to throw a better party and they will come. Okay? And this is what happened. I've coached basketball for a while. And you don't have very many personal interactions with basketball because basically you throw the ball in the court and they just run. And you're like, okay, good. Okay, you can't, it's hurting cats, basketball practices. Baseball is so much more of a technical sport. You have to pay attention to each and every one of them because they're holding a lethal weapon in their hands, right? So you've got to really pay attention to it. And I've got a kid on this team, and he obviously has never played a game of catch in his life. He can't throw. He can't catch. He can't hit. It's just not going to happen, right? And, and, and I'm predisposed to be like, well, I'm going to write him off and we'll make up for his deficiencies on my baseball team that he's going to make me lose. Jared, you're a grown man. Get over yourself. Oh, good. Uh, so, um, but you know, I've got to tamp that down, right? Tamp that down. Um, and all these things like, oh, okay, how am I going to do? And so in this moment, I do a lot of, uh, if I'm, I'm coaching somebody, I get down in there on the level of the kid and look them in their eyes. And I I try to show them what's going on. That's, that's just how I do it. Um, sometimes it scares the bejeebas out of kids. And sometimes they're like, okay, uh, cause my, my face in their face, they can't get ADD and look anywhere else. They got to look up, pay attention to me. So that's, that's what I try to do. And so this child's having some issues. The ball's just, I hit three ground balls to him in a row, right? Three croquet wickets. You know, I was like, just doing a sandlot. Just hold your glove up and I will hit it into the the mitt. It's not happening. It's not working. And so I go over to him and he's, he knows he's failed. Right. And I grab his arms 
to kind of do my whole face-to-face thing. And he does this. And in that moment, my heart broke. It's like, I don't know why you're flinching, buddy. I don't know why. I'm not going to judge your parents. I'm not going to assume anything. But I don't know why you're flinching. And it broke me. Because what that kid needed, he didn't know, needed to know how to catch a ground ball. I don't care. He didn't know that a man loved him and cared about him and he was safe. That was way more important at that moment than anything else. He didn't need to go to an event to get fixed. He needed a loving touch. And that broke me. Like it messed me up for a couple days. Because I didn't know what that, I didn't know what that meant. You're right. I don't want to, I don't want to jump to conclusions. It could have been, he was, I just startled him. I don't know. But that whole, that flinching away from me that I would scare him in that way just broke my heart. And you know what? Does the same thing for our community. There's people in our lives. There's people that we get to touch. There's people in line at Mariano's is when you say hi, and I know it because when I laugh or I tell a joke or I enter somebody's world and they recoil, like, what do you want from me? What are you selling? What do you, what do you, what do you, how are you going to use me? I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm just trying to brighten your day. Right? There's, a, there's an interaction. There's people in our community that we got to strain towards the messes and go, oh, God, this is going to be gooey. And put our hands in it and say, you know what? God loves you. And it doesn't matter if you do everything perfect and you've got all your ducks in a row. It doesn't matter. I want to reach and strain towards you because I know a God who loves you and would stop at nothing to restore you, to redeem you, and give you a new life. And so when I say our church exists to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ, I'm talking about we exist to reach into children's lives that would quake away from a loving touch. We reach to strain into a woman's life who, who doesn't have love at home. We exist to strain into a life of a, of a man who, who feels like he doesn't measure up because he's failing at work. We exist to strain into those situations. Because we have a God who loves us no matter what we have done. That will restore us. Restore this community. Restore the people that we have, that we get to come in contact with. You know what? Because you've experienced that. The great temptation of church is that we like each other. This is a really friendly church with each other. Right? We we, we love each other. And we do a... a, we do a pretty good job of welcoming new people. It's still hard, though, because I want to talk to my friends. I don't know you. I want to talk to my friends. I don't, I don't know you. Right? But as we talk about reaching into, it's this, this, this tension that we have of, do I want to get to know you? Do I not want to get to know you? I, that's a new mess. I just got okay with this mess. How in the world am I supposed to take on a new mess? That's, that's the infinite creativity of the Holy Spirit to let you juggle new messes. That same tension between new and old existed in Acts. In Acts chapter 19, nope, sorry, 15, 19. Got it, got it reversed. Acts chapter 15, 19. James, the, the brother of Jesus, is pres- presiding over basically an argument. And the argument is, do we let new people, do we let Gentiles into be a Christian? Do we let them into the church? Because they, they're kind of funny. And they're weird and they, they don't do the things that we do. And I don't know if I like it because what they had was a nice little Christian club of all these Jews who had all been circumcised, who all still, uh, did the, the Torah 
kosher laws, who all did the, the different, you know, the Jewish practices. And they got the Gentiles that have no frame of reference for what they're supposed to eat. They like bacon because it's bacon. And they like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to make, I'm on a diet right now. So bacon's going to come into a lot of uh, messages. Okay. This is just going to pour out of me. Um, they like bacon. They can eat it, you know, whatever. And they don't have to be circumcised. It really messes with your evangelism efforts. When you tell grown men to become a Christian, you have to be circumcised. That would be a big problem. Like it's a hurdle right now. Like you don't even want to raise your hand. And so James is sitting there and everyone's making their different arguments and, and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. What, what is going to be honoring God the most? They're trying to remember what Jesus has spoken to them and, and how they've lived their lives and, and how he's, he's called them to live their lives. And so what are these decisions we're going to make? And so this is James decree is it is my judgment. Therefore that we should not make it difficult, not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols. Don't eat anything that's been uh, sacrificed to another idol from sexual immorality and from meat strangled from uh, strangled animals and from blood. Those are the things, not the huge, all of the billion different uh, kosher laws right? Not all of the the different stuff. You don't have to go with the the Torah laws. These three things strive towards Jesus. Let's not make it difficult. Sometimes we make it difficult for people to come to Jesus because of how closed off our own hearts are. There's people in your own neighbors and people in the houses surrounding you that you have closed yourself off to. And instead, we need to have an attitude of straining towards them. That's hard, isn't it? It snowed. The door's closed. Winter is coming. Right? We, we, all, we all hide um, at this time of year. And I've bemoaned that fact for years now. And I felt a cultural win yesterday. Because on my door, yesterday, 1 o'clock, pow, 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 pow. Bone goes and opens the door. What's going to happen? He opens the door. You want to come out and play, Bowen? Yes. I've got the neighborhood kids running around our backyard on a trampoline, jumping and kicking a soccer ball at each other with snow. I didn't know snow trampoline was a thing. Maybe not either. Probably wasn't the safest thing in the world. Everyone survived, and it was awesome. Right? I mean, instant snowball fight. I look out there. There's a three-year-old neighbor who's just pounding the tar out of Bowen because he probably hit her in the face with a snowball. And I was like, she's got a big brother. Uh, so <laughs> Bowen's just laying on the ground laughing through the whole thing. It was awesome. Why? That took, we've lived in that house for five years. It was five years of community building, five years of reaching out, five years of going, okay, when the door's shut, when it gets cold, do we draw the gates or are we still open for business? It wasn't a quick thing, but it was a victory yesterday. I, I was like, woo, doing a little happy dance to myself because it was just, oh, that's fantastic. I can step out. Their dad, everything, everybody okay over there? Sure. No one's bleeding. We're good. Don't send your kid to my house if you're expecting perfect safety, by the way. Uh, so, <laughs> fun, not safety. Uh, so, <laughs> Kelly's home. It's okay. Um, and we, we just do that because that, that really spoke to me. Because the, 
the hesitation for reaching our community for Christ is always like, oh, people are closed off. It's winter time. Don't let that be an excuse. You can do more. I had a suggestion pop into my head uh, from this is everyone's got a sniffle in their house, right? Because our kids have to go to this thing called school where they share, right? They got to go to school. They got to, they got to share these, 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 uh, these germs and it happens. And kids, as much as you tell them, they still touch their face and right? so it happens. But what would it mean uh, to your neighbor? If you said, Hey, I'm headed to CVS. Do you need anything? Gatorade, Sudafed, whatever. Cause there's that stressed out mom next door to you who's on the last pill. And she's like, which one of the three of you is actually going to get this and be okay for the next six hours? You know what I'm saying? It's CVS. I'll get, I'll pick it up. What do you, what do you need? I don't have to run to the store and take three, six kids and uh, juggle everything. That would be amazing. To be able to do that though, you have to actually know your neighbor's phone numbers and their names, right? So my challenge for you here in the next, uh, today at lunch, do this. We do this last year. Maybe you need a refresher. Maybe some people have moved. Make a square, put nine boxes in it, put yourself in the middle. If you live on the end of a cul-de-sac, put yourself somewhere else if no one lives behind you so you don't cheat the system, okay? I know you people. You're like, I live in a cornfield. I don't have to talk to anybody. Do it for the cubicles around you at work, all right? Uh, So anyway... Pick out, um, pick out eight people that surround you and go, oh, man, I only know one of my neighbor's names. It's going to be very, 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 very uh, kind of convicting, this exercise. I don't know anybody that lives around me. Ooh, I got to do this. Write their names down. Do you know their kid's name? And for the creme de la creme, do you know their dog's name? Right? Do you, do you, know, do you, know, do you know your neighbor's? And if you don't, make it an effort. Say, oh, you know what? I'm going to learn one neighbor a week this week. How do you do that? You got a snowblower. You can make instant friends. I have a snowblower. It doesn't take any effort. Just go. And just watch out for extension cords. Learned that the hard way. Um, Christmas lights have been taken up. I won't do that anymore. Uh, but just go over to the neighbors. And, you know, do a little, a little love. You'll be an instant, instant, um, instant hero to that house. Do the CVS thing. Some way to engage into life. Some way to speak into their life. Some way to love, not to be, you know, over, Hey, come to church with me. You don't, you don't have to do that. You can. There's a way in which we do that. We don't have to, we we have a message that we give her once in a while called how to share Jesus and not be creepy. It's a, it's a big deal. How do we speak into people's lives and show them that we care about them? We're not trying to sell them something. It's because I'm willing to strain into your mess for it because I know that I have something that Jesus loves you and cares about you. Okay, more practical tips on how to strain into somebody's life. There's this uh, simple practice. Um, this is not, not, a, not a tip. This is kind of the, the moniker of this. You cannot influence people to whom you have no relationship. You cannot influence people with whom you have no relationship. And so it's very easy for us to keep the those and us mentality if we don't have relationship with them. The problem with that is that segregates us, whether that is by um, social structure, by whether it's race, whether that's uh, how you vote, whether that's they don't, you know, clean up after their dog. I don't know whatever you keep in your head that says those people and us, whatever that is, we've got to break that down because we have to have relationship with them. Why? Because God calls us to love people, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Those walls don't exist for Jesus. And you cannot influence people. 
You cannot bring them, show them the love of Christ if you do not have relationship with them. It can't happen. As Christians, we've tried to do it without relationship. That's where Christian Broadcasting Network came from, right? We figured if we just put it on TV, everyone would, would come to Jesus. Good idea. Doesn't work that way. I know people that have been, uh, a few people that have been saved through Christian broadcasting. Fantastic. But it's not the, it's not the avenue that, that happens because there's no relationship there. You cannot influence people with whom you have no relationship. So we've invited people into our life. We've tried to step in. We've tried to be helpful. We've tried to, to talk to them. Next thing we can do is we invite people to Jesus. After we've built that relationship, we invite people to Jesus. How do you do that? It's actually, we make it so hard because before, I know what's going through your brain because it goes through my brain. Before I talk to anybody about Jesus, I got to know all the answers. Folks, I got a master's degree in this stuff. I still don't have all the answers. It's not that hard. What it is, is I once was this and now I'm this. I once was filled with fear or anxiety or Blah, 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 blah. I once was addicted to this. I once was, blah, blah, blah. I once was, and now I'm this. I'm still pretty messy and I'm still don't have it all figured out. And I still, you know, have arguments with my wife and I still have these things, but I once was this and now I'm this. You know what changed was I met Jesus. That's how easy it actually is. We're the ones that make it really, really difficult, right? I know we do because I do. I overthink it all the time. Invite people to Jesus. I once was this, and now I'm this. Third thing you can do, you invite people to church, right? Relationship, build relationships. You don't value your neighbors on if they came to church or not. I have a neighbor who's come to church here a few times, um, and we didn't become less friends when they didn't come to church here anymore. I was like, oh, well, you're dead to me, you know? Keep your dog on that side of the yard. You know, it, it wasn't like that at all. It's okay. Invite people to Jesus. Invite, people, uh, invite them into your life and invite them to church. Three, thing, three ways in which you can easily invite people to church when you hear these sentences. First, this, you should have an alarm bell go boom off in your head to say, oh, it's my opportunity. Jerry talked about this one. If someone says to you, things are not going well at home, work, life, with parents, breathing, whatever it is, uh, things are not going well. Ah, you know, I, go to a, I have a, belong to a community that helps me with life. I feel so recharged after I come out of church. When I come in contact with God, you should come sometime. Another sentence. I was not prepared for my teenager to be such a wonderful person. <laughs> I was not prepared for... This, this is a great invitation for someone to, if, to step up because what they're asking for is help in some way. They've given you permission to speak back, right? I was not prepared for this. Things are not going well, whatever. Hey, you know, I got this, this community of believers that, that really helps me through some, some stuff. Church is great. We have these life groups that, that really help me. It's help, help me get through some really tough stuff. I once was this and now I'm this. And then finally, this is the easiest one. I'm not really from around here, right? Well, you want to meet some awesome people? Come on down. Right? That's, that's, that's the easy, 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 easy 
trifecta of easy questions to ask and to, to answer into getting people to come to church. Not because we just want to fill these seats with, with people. That's not the idea. The idea is because if God calls this church to be a million person church, if he calls this church to stay at 150 people, it doesn't matter as long as we are straining towards the community for Christ, God will take care of the rest. So as we're straining to reach towards people, that's not to boost numbers. That is to impact lives. I want you to hear that. And I can say that honestly for you. I don't know if I could have said that honestly to you before my interaction last year with that little boy on that baseball field. But our calling, who we are, is to strain towards people because they've got mess in their lives. And we know have a God who loves us enough to clean us to save us, to set us right. I once was this, and now I'm this. This is not easy. It's not comfortable. It's not an easy ask, but it's who God has called us to be. And so this year, in 2019, I want to invite you all to be praying about straining towards the community for Christ. Make this something that's a, a post-it note or an index card on your, on your uh, <clears throat> mirror at home. Think about it. Be pondering it. How do I reach? How do I strain? Make it a topic of conversation between you and your spouse. Do we know our neighbors? Today at lunch, right, do the, do the quiz of how are we doing. Ben, come on up. We're going to sing one more song today. But I want to challenge you all to really step into this because this can't just be something that's on Jared's heart. This has to be on all of our hearts to really encompass this idea of straining towards the community. It's so easy to write them off. It's so easy to have the the, them and us mentality. And we cannot have that. This is a place that wants everyone, no matter what they look like, sound like, talk like, because they all need Jesus. It's the most important thing. We should not make it difficult for those who are coming to Christ. Let's not make it difficult. Let's make it easy. Because there's an amazing, amazing world, an amazing God who loves them and cares about them. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time. And God, I thank you for these people. I thank you for the honor and the privilege of getting to pastor these people. Lord, I thank you that you've put me in this place at this time with them, that we can laugh together, we can cry together, we can hurt together, and we can win together. And God, I ask you to bless us and guide us. I ask for your holy courage in this moment, in this time, that I know there's people and uh, and opportunities that have been placed in our hearts as we've been sitting in these chairs this morning, that you would give us the courage to ask the questions, to invite into our lives, to invite them to you and to invite people to church. Lord, we ask you to equip us in in supernatural ways, that your presence would be with us as we kind of take these steps. Yes, they're scary, but God, with you, we can do them. We ask you to help us tear down these walls and take these steps of faith. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. Continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ. You can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.